Welcome back to another Outspoken Podcast episode. Today we are going to be talking about a young person's responsibility. Hmm. So we're going to be covering a lot of stuff today and we're going to be talking about um, how all of us can take responsibility and help each other, um, hold each other accountable. We're going to be kind of covering how all of us can do that of anyone of any age group can do this, but I'm mainly going to be focusing more towards the younger generation. So Gen Z, Generation Alpha, um, I actually happen to be, I believe I am part of Generation Z. So um, that's part of why I chose to gear towards that generation. So, um, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. <laughs> my dad would quote that verse to me and my sister when we were younger, and it was usually quoted to us when we were being disciplined or, um, when he had some wisdom to impart to us. And my dad would also remind us that he would have to carry out his promise to discipline us because he was going to have to stand before God someday and answer for his life. And part of answering to God for his life would include how he raised the children that God gave him. So if he would say, you need to stop misbehaving or I'm going to have to spank you, you need to stop misbehaving or I'm going to have to take away this privilege, you know, there were times when we wouldn't listen to him (laughs) and he would remind us that, I told you I would have to do it, you know, and I wouldn't be wouldn't be a good parent if I didn't follow through with discipline. So um both of my parents stressed the importance of responsibility, whether it be taking out the garbage, taking care of our animals, or simply finishing the job that we started. There were times when we would hear the classic if I didn't love you, I would just let you do whatever you wanted and I wouldn't discipline you. And we would, of course, roll our eyes and move on with the day and whatever, you know. Because um, what child likes to be disciplined, honestly? What what child likes to be held accountable, you know? But as I got older, those words began to make sense, and they began to carry more weight for me. So I understood that my parents were wanting to see us succeed and become contributing members of society. So, all that being said... Today, I wanted to discuss the downfall in calling these younger generations to take responsibility. Um, we, where have we been lacking in that? And we're also going to talk about where, when, and how uh, young people can work on being more responsible. And not just the younger generation, but all of us. And how some of us who are older can help younger people take responsibility and be accountable. And we'll talk about also why it's important to be responsible and to hold ourselves and each other accountable. So go ahead and grab a snack and some coffee or some tea, your drink of choice. Um, And let's dig into this uh, discussion here. So I mentioned that um, I'm going to be covering, I'm going to be talking about the two most recent generations, um, two younger generations today, and uh, those being Gen Z, which are people born from 97 to 2010, 
And according to, to Google, <laughs> it said that Generation Z is uh, anyone born from 1997 to 2010, and I was born in 1997. So according to that criteria, I am considered a Generation Z, I think. And then the generation after that is Generation Alpha, which are people born between 2010 and 2025. So Gen Alphas are still being born. Um, I've chosen these generations for two main reasons. One, as I said earlier, is being that I am part of one of these generations. And the other is because these generations are the future we are the continuation of our country, of our culture, of our families, and so on. So, and we have so many people, so many young people today who have a mindset of entitlement and I can do whatever I want and I'm just going to live it up and expect someone to cover for me, clean up after me and bail me out, pay for my stuff, whatever, you know. I know people my age and younger. I'm 23 years old. I'm about to be 24 in uh, next week. I'm going to be 24 years old. And I know people who are my age and younger whose highest ambition in life is to literally live off the government, go on welfare, not get a job. And I know people who are generational welfare takers, you know, welfare people. Their parents were on welfare, could have gotten a good entry-level job, but they didn't. And they raised kids on the system who are now raising kids on the system, and so on and so forth. There's nothing wrong with welfare. I'm going to point this out now. There's nothing wrong with welfare. But it is not meant to be permanent. It is meant to be a temporary aid until you can find your feet. Welfare started during the Great Depression because people needed help. There were a lot of people who could not make ends meet, who literally, even though they were working, who literally could not put food on the table. There were a lot of people who were out of work, so the government stepped in and said, we gonna help you, right? And it was embarrassing to be on welfare. I have, um, she's she's passed away now, but I have a grandmother and a grandfather who lived during the Great Depression. They were young, but they lived during and through the Great Depression. And they will tell you that it was not something to brag about. It was not something that you would just willy-nilly bring up in a conversation. It was private, it was personal, and sort of, um, sort of, I mean, I, I want to be careful how I say this, but almost embarrassing to not be able to provide for your family. There was a certain amount of pride and a certain amount of societal expectation to provide for your family. So there's nothing wrong with welfare, but it is not meant to be permanent. I personally believe you should get welfare for a maximum, a maximum of one year at a time. One year at a time. If you are having issues and you need it, fine. One year at a time, and you, in that year, you get a job, you save up money, you get back on your feet, do whatever you need to do, clean up your act a little bit, and then 365 days after you start, 
your welfare expires for the next three years or whatever. Okay, because it is not sustainable. Like I said, there, there are generational welfare people, families who have generations of being on the dole, and that's an issue because that cannot last forever. And at some point, that won't be sustainable. Uh, we have young people who would rather go out and be part of, you know, Antifa, BLM, the local gang, or run with a bad group of friends, as opposed to getting a job, getting higher education, and becoming contributing members of society. That's going to be a theme. You're going to hear that phrase several times in the next little while. Um, but I submit to you that if these young people had been required to take responsibility at a young age and learn that their actions have consequences, we could have a different country in a different situation. So a minute ago, I said that um, generational welfare is not sustainable and that it can't last forever. And uh, what I mean by that, I want to clarify really quick because most of you know this is going to be nothing new to you really <clears throat> but let me explain how it works really quick those of us who have jobs and those of us who pay taxes are paying into welfare paying into the welfare system that is part of what our income tax goes to that's part of what our taxes go to you can believe that or not but those of us who work are helping the government pay those of us who can't or won't work. And the reason that's not sustainable is because the more people who go on welfare, the more it's going to take to support them. And once we get more than 50% of us on welfare, there will not be enough of us working to support those who are on the government handout. Does that make sense? If more than, if a majority of this country is, is taking a check every month from the government that involves someone like me, a working taxpaying citizen, paying into that, if there's more of us who are not working than working, that's going to lead to some major, major, major issues. And that's why this last year with, you know, the stupid shutdowns and everything when they tried to say, get your unemployment, claim your unemployment, go to this website and get your unemployment, blah, blah, blah. I did not take that unemployment. I was home for two months without work, but I did not take that unemployment because I was not going to be part of the statistic of doing that because I knew what they were trying to do. I know that it was not going to be a good thing. And I, my, I, along with others, we were right. We were right because right now there are people who are sitting on their butts at home saying, I get paid more to stay home than I would be if I were going to work. There are able-bodied people who could get up and go get a job or go get their job back, but they won't because they're getting paid more from the government, which is not okay. And there's no end in sight to that. 
There's no end in sight. The government ain't gonna cut them off. Are you serious? I highly doubt the government's gonna cut those kind of people off anytime soon because that's what they want. They want us to be dependent on them. So I was not going to be part of that statistic. I did not go on welfare. I did not take an unemployment check. And quite frankly, I don't care if you call it unemployment or welfare or whatever. I don't care what you call it. That is the last thing I am going to do. If I am ever out of work, that is going to be my last resort. Until I get down to my last dollar, I'm going to be out handing out resumes looking for jobs because that's how it should be. Okay, so... Moving on from that, um, teaching children and young adults that their consequences have actions is an important um, part of them growing up, and it's, it's a part of parenting that has faded, that has um, disappeared over, you know over the past few generations, right? So when should we be taught to take responsibility? At at what point should we teach our children about action versus consequence? I don't think there is um, much of a specific age. Like, I'm not going to say, let your kid do whatever whatever he wants to do until he turns five, until he turns three, until he turns eight, you know, I don't, I can't necessarily say that there's a specific age, but I submit to you that children should be taught as soon as they're able to communicate with their parents that decisions and actions have consequences, good, bad, or otherwise. Now, children have to kind of be taught to reason, Am I, am I right? They, that is a action versus consequence for a child is, is something that they have to learn. And it's a complex, um, idea. It's a, it's a hard concept to grasp, but they can be taught little bits at a time until they're older. And that's part of what helps them grow up is weighing risk versus reward, consequence versus action. Kids are capable of understanding so much more than we give them credit for. I just want to say that. They understand much more than we think they do. And because of that, what we expect of them now is all they will ever become. It has to start young. So what do I mean by teaching children that actions have consequences? Well, I mean, it's okay to put your child in a timeout. It's okay to give them a spanking. It's okay to say, no, it's not child abuse to expect children to do chores and to help the family. And of course, I'm not, you know, talking about expecting your toddler to take out the trash or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about, like, once your child gets a little older, 7, 8, 9, 10, older children, right? When when me and my sister turned 7, my dad started, um, and we had already been doing sort of this kind of stuff, but my dad started stressing even more the fact that we were under his roof in their house and we were part of this family and part of being in the family is helping out. Helping each other out around the house. Taking care of our messes and our 
belongings was our responsibility. But then, of course, beyond that, there were certain things that we would do just because we were part of the family. Helping with dishes, taking out the recycle, taking out the garbage, sweeping, you know, helping to sweep and mop floors, vacuum carpets. Um, We have a kind of a big house, so we were assigned specific rooms between the two of us. And we each had about two or three rooms that we would have to clean throughout the week or at least help maintain, right? And we didn't have to do it all in one day, you know, but throughout the week, we were expected to help out. So that is okay. That is that is okay. If you tell your child no, you have to be able to stick to that as a parent. And this is another thing that we have uh, lost over the years. Parents are becoming friends and not parents. I don't have kids yet. I plan to someday. I don't have kids yet, but I am going to tell you, um, I don't care if my kid likes me or not. <laughs> it's a bonus, obviously. But my goal is not to have my child like me. My goal is to have my child grow up to be a respectful, a respectful and respectable, upstanding citizen who is a contributing member to society. That is what I want my children to become. They can be whatever profession they want to be. I don't really care. They can do and be whatever they want to be in their life. That's the beauty of this country. But I do expect them to make something of themselves at least. Okay, so the the um, there used to be a phrase, I'm not your friend, I'm your father. You know, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. That is what I would love to hear more of these days. And it doesn't have to be mean. It's not like... It's it's not a, um, just because you're my kid doesn't mean I don't like you, you know. It doesn't have to be a nasty thing, but it has to be a, parenting comes first. I need to do what's best for you first. I am not here to please you. I am here to teach you what it will be expected of you in life. Does that make sense? So, what it comes down to is, um... I'm going to paraphrase Nanny McPhee here. Those of you who have seen Nanny McPhee will know what I'm talking about. But you have an obligation to teach your children certain lessons. But what lessons they learn are entirely up to them. So what that means is that not every child will turn out exactly how their parents intend. And that's okay. But the parents have a duty to at least try to hold their children to certain standards and expectations. I'm going to say that again. You have an obligation as a parent to teach your children the life lessons they need to survive life, to get through life. But what lessons they learn will be up to them. Once you teach them, um, once you bring that information to them, that's all you can do as a parent. There comes a time when you are no longer in control of your child. And that's a scary thought for some parents. When your child leaves the house, 
All you can do is hope that they have taken the information that you've given them to heart and that they act on it. But then beyond that, all you can do is continue to be there for your child. So what lessons they learn and what lessons they um, utilize when they leave the house is completely up to them. All right. So when should we teach a child to take responsibility? As soon as possible. What it comes down to is as soon as possible. As soon as they can communicate, they can be taught to tell the truth to be honest, to be respectful of their elders, to learn that no means no. It's simple. No is one of the first words that a child learns. Next to mama, dada, mine, no is one of the first words that a child learns. Okay? Um, it's, it's fairly simple. And... Again, that concept of um, teaching a child right away, you know, as soon as they can communicate their needs with you, teaching a child um, the principle of uh, action versus consequence, risk versus reward, is as simple as being an active parent, being a present parent, right? Um, Being there and watching them to correct and discipline your child when they behave, but also to reward and encourage them, or, excuse me, disciplining a child when they misbehave, but being there for them when they behave and do what's right, you can encourage them and reward them for that. You better believe that I was disciplined when I was a child. I mentioned earlier that my parents would warn us and then spank us, sometimes put us in a timeout, etc. You know, they would say, you two need to stop fighting or you're going to get a spanking. You need to go do your chores or you're going to get this privilege taken away. You know, so um, it's not really complicated. It's just consistency, right? It, it's just consistency. Um Another thing that my parents did was they displayed, uh, they showed us what it looks like when parents are a team. There are parents these days who um, are not on the same page with raising their children at all, right? And especially if you have parents who are uh, separated or divorced or something, and they are passing their children back and forth. Those kids know. All right. I have seen kids who know how to work that system like you would not believe. Oh my goodness. They go to one parent's house and get told no. They go to another parent's house and get told yes. And my parents, um, they have been married for like 46 years now. And they constantly were showing us what it looked like to be a team. Um, My sister and I, (laughs) we would sometimes try to do the whole, 
oh, well, let's go ask mom because she's more likely to say yes. And we'd go ask mom and she would say no. So we would resort to asking dad because he would definitely say yes. You know, we were also guilty of playing the system a little bit. Okay. Um, but invoking the approval of the other parent almost, uh, I shouldn't say almost never worked, but it didn't work very often because they were a team. They commuted, communicated with each other and they would say, um, did you say yes to this or did you say no to this or, you know, so they were together in parenting us. That's another way that you can teach your children to be responsible and display what a healthy relationship is going to look like for them in the future. All right. So how can young people take responsibility? What does adulting, as they like to say, what does that look like? Well, we're going to break this one into a couple different parts. Um, managing your time, managing your finances, and managing your character. So managing your time. Um, this can mean something like getting to work on time. Okay, ever since I got my first job at 17 years old, I have shown up to work at the same time, practically every day. I can I can honestly probably count on one hand the times that I have been accidentally late for work. And if I'm if I know that I'm going to be late for work, like if I need to um take some time off or if I have something else that I need to do before work, a doctor's appointment, make a phone call, whatever, um then I try to let them know that so that they can plan for that and so that they are at least in the loop but I have been um I've gotten to work pretty much the same time every every day since I started and that's not to you know brag or anything but that's just to say that I try really hard to be consistent because that's how I show that I am reliable that's one of the ways that I can show that they can count on me and that I am interested in this job. That's my responsibility to get myself to work on time, to get myself up at the same time every morning, to get myself ready for work every morning, and to get there at the same time so that they can count on me getting there. But the flip side of that is I also let myself uh, sleep in on my days off because I need that time to rest, to relax, to have no responsibility in the morning and to be rested so that I can keep myself going for my work uh, of my week of work ahead. Um, so but managing your time also means setting aside a specific amount of time every day to get certain things done. It doesn't have to be um, hours and hours and hours of housework every day, but, you know, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, helping keep the household going, okay, um, and, and doing stuff like that. And that kind of stuff becomes more and more important if you live by yourself, which is nearly impossible today to live by yourself because of the cost of living, but we won't even go there. Um... Responsibly managing your time as an adult can also mean taking time for yourself every day. That's the one you've been waiting for, isn't it? <laughs> so I'll say that one again. 
Responsibly managing your time as an adult or even a young adult can also mean taking time for yourself every day. I think part of managing your time well is taking time every day to step back, maybe step outside for a minute, get some fresh air, meditate, listen to music, take a bubble bath, um, whatever it is you need to do, because let's, let's be honest here, life is hard, right? It can be stressful. So it's important to decompress and it's important to mental health and health in general. And when it comes to younger children, it's a good idea for them to have a few minutes to themselves every day also, specifically for them where they can do whatever they want to do, right? Once they finish their chores or their homework or whatever, let them go outside and play. Let them read a book. Um, let them have some screen time on their iPad or whatever it is that they enjoy doing that their parents allow them to do. But teach them to manage their time. Setting timers is a good idea when they're, you know, on the iPad for younger kids or whatever. Most of the time they'll spend all day playing video games if you let them, you know. Um, but... Planning out a daily schedule using a calendar is also a good way to manage time because you can write down events or appointments that you need to get to, anything that's going on in your life. You can write it down and make sure you remember to fit it into your schedule and know how much time it's going to take you. Okay, so growing up means learning how to budget your time. How much time do I have for this? What time do I need to be here what are my most important responsibilities? What, you know, you hear the saying, uh, work first and play later. What kind of work, what kind of imperative responsibilities do I have to make time for throughout the day? And then what time do I have left over for free time? Because um, <clears throat> that is going to, kind of like I mentioned earlier, that is going to show uh, interest in a job. That's going to show reliability. People are going to know that they can count on you because you'll know exactly where you have to be and when. You know, I see so many people. I live in a small town, okay? And we have what I call town specials. <laughs> um there are people who just kind of spend, you know, all day hanging around town. They walk around, they walk down Main Street, they walk down Broadway, um, they sit on our co on our courthouse lawn, you know. That's what they do with their time because they don't have jobs, they don't have responsibilities. And that does not speak very well to their character, which we will talk about character in a minute. But um, you will find that you will probably be much less stressed if you budget your time wisely because you will be allowed to relax and you will also be allowed to get your um, responsibilities taken care of. That is one way to help yourself um, grow up. <laughs> If you're a young adult or if you're a parent who has a uh, a child who you'd like to take more initiative in life, that's one thing that you can suggest to them is just get a calendar Monday, you know, uh, 
Monday through Sunday through Saturday, sit down with them, get them a calendar or whatever, and say, what kind of things do you need to do this week? You know, help them do that. Help them come up with a, a daily schedule of things. All right, um, managing finances is next. So, in my opinion, the knowledge of finances that young people have today leaves much to be desired. Okay, I wish high schools would teach students how to balance a checkbook. I wish they would teach them how to draft a resume, how to manage their bank account, how to open a bank account, how to transfer a bank account. These are things that, as far as I know, are not necessarily taught to young people, and that's not good. And I'm sure, I'm sure there are schools that do that. Um, you know, they have a, uh, I don't know. I don't know what class it would be called, but I would I would much rather see a business and finance class or a how to grow up 101 <laughs> class. I would much rather see that than a critical race theory class or a sexual education for 4-year-olds class, okay? And when I was in high school, um my dad had us go through um the Financial Peace University, which is a uh, program that Dave Ramsey set in place. Those of you, um, I'm sure most of you know who Dave Ramsey is, but for those of you who don't, look him up. I'm pretty sure there's not very many people who don't know who Dave Ramsey is at this point. But if you don't know who he is, I highly, highly recommend that you look him up. Because in this particular section, I'm going to be talking about some of his methods quite a bit. So, uh, young adults have to be taught to manage their finances, how to literally budget their money, um, their their bank account. When we turned 16, my dad took me and my sister into the bank, and he said, I'm going to let you guys open up a savings account, um, and you can, you know, put money in it. This is how you use it. But I'm going to be co-signer on it until you turn 18. Because I think I think he had to because we were under 18. We were still minors. So I kind of think that maybe he had to. And so he said, until you guys are older, I'm going to be co-signer on it. But this is your responsibility. You know, and he let us do that. And I loved... I was, I was actually really kind of excited when he let me do that. Because um, to me, it showed us that he was allowing us to take that one step closer to adulthood. We were we were right on the cusp of it. We were just a couple years away from being adults. And this was his way, one of his ways of letting us know that he trusted us with this responsibility. And it was kind of fun. So um, let your children, you know, let your let your young adults get a bank account, you know, but before that, my dad also introduced to us the idea of the envelope system, and this is a uh, Dave Ramsey technique, a Dave Ramsey system, where you sit down and you say, okay, from month to month, or whatever, what are my financial obligations? What do I have to pay for every month? Um, and that could include 
uh, car payments, gas, uh, rent, mortgage, uh, food, um, whatever. You know, I, I wouldn't suggest necessarily having, you know, 20 envelopes, of course, you know, but, um, figure out what you need to pay for from one month to the next. And this is how you do the system. So you take an envelope, you write on it what it's for, and you need to have a basic, um, you need to have an idea of about how much that particular item, that particular responsibility will cost you every month. How much is rent this month? How much am I going to spend on food this week or this month? Um, how much am I going to spend on gasoline this month? You know, and then you, every month when you get your paycheck or every two weeks when you get your paycheck, depending on how you get paid, when you get paid, you draw out a little bit and you put some into each envelope every month so that you can pay when the time comes. And then what I do is I leave the rest. I draw out what I need in cash, okay, in in actual money, and then I put the rest in my savings account. And another thing, if you don't if you don't have any other envelope set up, and if you don't uh, get anything else from this finances part of the podcast, if you don't have anything else that you draw money out for, I highly, highly suggest that you have at least one envelope that says emergency fund on it. Okay? And in that emergency fund, Dave Ramsey, I think he suggests starting with like, $150 for your emergency fund or whatever. I don't think it has to be like super, super expensive. And then I think he suggests going up to like 500 bucks or whatever, but it, it I think it kind of depends on your financial situation, but I suggest having at least 150 bucks right off the bat set out for an emergency fund because you never know, you know, you never know when you're going to need that and then kind of go from there. Um, I have several envelopes and I just kind of put a little bit in a time, in at a time. And you'll be surprised how quickly you can, uh, prepare for those things. And the, the, the crux of, so that's the mechanics of it. That's the, that's the, um, the setting it up and the, the steps to take to do it. You know, that's the mechanics of the envelope system, the drawing out and dividing evenly between the envelopes the reasoning behind it the crux behind it is so that you can make the payments that you need to make on time in cash and not have to worry a whole lot about it oh my goodness you guys it takes so much stress so much stress away from life <laughs> it it really does i know for a fact that i have at least $150 that I can draw from like that in the event of an emergency. If I need to get a spare tire, um, if I need to pay for some uh, repair, if I need, you know, whatever. And then I also have um, another envelope that I'm working on. I just got 
um, my my old car bit the dust, so I got a new car, and my dad helped me pay for it, and of course I'm expected to pay my dad back, and so um, I started saving up for a car, and now I know that I have at least I have I have several hundred bucks that I can give my dad right now if he asks me if he asks me for it, to start paying towards my new car. I don't have to worry about that. I am not stressed about that at all right now. So, little things like that. That is how young adults can become responsible for their money. It It's not just um, easy come, easy go. Every dollar has to have a place to go, and that's what that's a quote directly from Dave Ramsey. It doesn't matter, I mean, it does matter where it goes, but it's going to go somewhere, whether it's in savings, whether it's in a checking account, whether it's in an envelope, whether it's paying off a debt, whether, you know, but every dollar has to have somewhere to go. Don't just let it burn a hole in your pocket. Pull out some spending money for yourself, of course. It's, it is okay to pull out a little something that you can just go do whatever you want with, but the rest of it needs to be saved and needs to go for um, your financial responsibilities. So if you're a young person who's wondering how you can uh, take more responsibility and be more active uh, that way, more proactive that way, that is something that you can do. Go get some envelopes, some just some regular old mailing envelopes. Probably get, I would say, at least one for your emergency fund, if not three or four. And here's some suggestions of things that you can start saving for in those envelopes. You can start saving for a car if you're about to get your driver's license. You can start saving for college if you're starting to think about college, most people do that in their bank account, of course, but you'll be surprised if you have a couple years left until you go to college, you'll be surprised just how much you can save in that envelope for that. Um, let's see, if you want a night out with some of your friends, you know, you could have an envelope for that. Save up a couple, you know, a couple bucks for something fun like that. So that that's an idea. You know, if you're about to move out, um, you could start saving up for some rent. And you, again, you'll be surprised just how quickly you can save up for something like that. You'll be surprised how much you'll end up with if you're consistent. And if you're putting roughly the same amount in each envelope at about the same time, you know, regularly as you get paid every month or every two weeks... It's a system. It, it goes like clockwork. It really does. And parents, teach your, teach your kids that even if they're young, get them... Little kids can have an envelope. If your kid gets an allowance, which personally I don't... <laughs> if your kid gets an allowance, that's fine, but I think a, a kid should still have to kind of work for their allowance because it teaches a, a work ethic that way but you can get your kids a mason jar or a piggy bank or you could use envelopes or whatever but little kids can do that too as soon as they start getting an allowance as soon as they start 
bringing in their own money. Okay, so that's the finances area. Now um, we're going to talk about character. How can you manage your character? That one's, this one is kind of tough because um, we've talked about managing our time and managing our money, and both of those things can include tools such as calendars, envelopes, piggy banks, alarms. Those are tangible things, right, that we can use to manage that. But managing your character, hmm, that's a little bit tougher, isn't it? So um, character is defined as <clears throat> the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Okay, when I say character, I'm not talking about a cartoon character, all right? I am talking about what, um, what is your code? What do you, um, what compels you to act when you are, um, in a, in a situation with other people? How do you go about life and, um, make it better, I guess is what I'm saying. What are your qualities? What are your beliefs that are distinctive to you? That is character. All right. So some character traits are, um, well, let's see, let's find some good ones here. Responsibility, <laughs> which we've been talking about. Punctuality, which we've been talking about. Um, so, uh, punctuality versus tardiness, resourcefulness versus wastefulness, responsibility versus unreliability, security versus anxiety. Okay. Um, let's see. Initiative versus idleness, honor versus disrespect. Okay. Now honor, um, this can mean um, respectfulness, you know, honoring your father and mother, honoring your elders, being respectful to them, listening to what they have to say, wisdom versus foolishness, orderliness versus confusion. Okay, these are all character traits. I found a list of 49 of them, and they're good ones. Enthusiasm, versus apathy, okay, and most of these are things that I've already talked about, responsibility, punctuality, honor, things like that, okay, um, it is the responsibility of a parent to display these character traits for their children, and to expect their children to display them as they get older, it's a little bit hard for a toddler to understand the concept of punctuality, right? But you can tell a toddler or a young child, when it's time to go to bed, I mean it. When I say it's time for bed, I mean it. And then when they get older, they can say, you, you can say, um, when I say it's time for this, I mean it. When I say you only get half an hour on the Wii or whatever, I mean it. 
And then you can couple that by saying, because when you get older and you get a job and your boss says, I expect you to show up to work at this time every day, they're going to mean it, don't you think? So that may be a bit of a stretch, but there's a bridge there. There's a bridge there. So, um, it again, a toddler is not going to understand the concept of punctuality. They're not going to know that punctuality means being where you're supposed to be exactly when you're supposed to be there, right? But you can teach them the idea. You can introduce them to the basic idea of it by saying, when this time comes around, you're expected to do this. Going going back to what I said a second ago, when I say it's bedtime, I mean it's bedtime. It's not time to stall. It's not time for one more book or one more drink of water or one more this, you know. It's it's bedtime, right? Um when it comes to teaching things like um Let's see. Let's pick a good one. Responsibility. So responsibility can just come down to um, taking responsibility for your actions, owning up to your actions. That's one of the first things when I started uh, my job where I work. um, One of the first things that my boss told me was we all make mistakes it is okay for you to make a mistake. You're learning. There's so much to learn. And you never quit learning in this profession. I work at a vet clinic. And it's true. There's so much to learn. And you should never stop learning. Medicine is always changing, right? So he goes, there's a lot to learn. It is okay for you to make a mistake. All I ask that you do, if you do make a mistake, is that you come to somebody and say... I messed up, I need help. So, he is simply saying, take responsibility for your actions. Have character enough to admit when you made a mistake, not just know that you made one. Okay, so, um, instilling a good character in a child or in a young adult also teaches them, um, is part of teaching them that they cannot always have what they want. Okay, that also builds character because um, they realize that the world does not revolve around them. Oh my goodness, did I just say that? (laughs) Yes, I did. The world does not revolve around you. There's so much more, so much more out there. And it's, it's not that you'll never get your way. I don't think teaching a child that they can't win in life and that they'll never get their way. That's not at all the way to go either. But teaching them that life is not always going to be fair. There's always, there's going to be times when they will have to Accept the idea that someone else might be better at something, might be a better option, right? Like, um, you may not get this job, 
because there could be somebody who has a slightly better qualification. That doesn't mean that you're not qualified. It just means that somebody else um, is a little older, knows a little more or whatever, and they may come along and do a better job. That that kind of thing. Okay, my parents, my parents would tell us that kind of stuff all the time. And it wasn't to put us down. Um, it's it's not a put down. It's just simply saying that there's more to think about than you. Part of growing up and part of being an adult is looking out for other people, mentoring other people, teaching a child, teaching a young adult to to teach other people, to teach other children and young adults is um, a quality that we have lost. There's programs that will help kids do that. I was in 4-H. Um, I showed goats at our Clickadat County Fair. It was amazing. Um, it was fun. There were certain aspects of it that I absolutely abhorred, like Part of 4-H is you have to do educational posters and you pick a topic and you make a poster on it. You look up certain information and all that good kind of stuff. But when I got older, when I became a senior in the 4-H uh, program, I was expected to teach younger children, to teach kids who are just coming into the program about goats and how to show goats. That was part of being a well-rounded member. You're expected to help teach uh, the next generation. And I did that at a fair this year. I'm, I'm aged out of the 4-H program now, but I still show in adult and open class. And we, um, I helped uh, with the groom squad team because we have a, a groom squad contest where... Um, you have to fit a goat for show. You take it from nothing, basically from the field, and prepare it to be shown in the ring. And so I took the responsibility to help um, some of the younger people who are still in 4-H. I, I helped them and sort of walked them through it and sort of showed them how to do some stuff and showed them some little tips and tricks and sort of explained why we do it, how we do it, and things like that. And that that is something that young people don't do much of these days. So if you're a young person, a young adult, be on the lookout for someone that you can help. Maybe one of your friends, classmates, um, younger siblings, things like that. And if you're a parent of a young adult, Show them how to mentor by mentoring them and encourage them to find someone that they can help today. Bringing up the next generation is, is important. That's a good character is the willingness to volunteer to pass on information. My dad always used to say that his grandpa used to say, <laughs> learn as much as you can about as much as you can 
so you can teach someone else to do it better. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about a lot of stuff today. Um, I'm hoping that it makes sense and that it um, wasn't, you know, too boring. I just think it's really, really important that we consider these things and that we, um, we as the younger generation as well as some of the older generations just start taking responsibility for your actions. All right, become contributing members of society. Let's let's not um, let's not be lazy. Let's not be selfish and think it's all about us. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead and call it there. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will uh, be back later with a, another episode. I'm gonna be putting up another one this Saturday on 9-11 because 9-11 is coming up so thanks for listening